You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey, everybody. Before we get started in our next level podcast, I wanted to let you know that we just released our brand new ebook, and it's all about coaching, about how do you select the right coach. For some of you, been very interested in getting a good coach, and it's great to get a good coach, but the right coach for the right situation. So go check it out. It's a free ebook on McIntyre on themichaelmcintyre.com themichaelmcintyre.com and check it out. It's free. Download it for yourself. It's under books and you're going to enjoy it. Thank you. This is the Next Level Podcast, a place for business leaders, entrepreneurs, and dreamers to be empowered for an abundant kingdom life. Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Welcome, everybody. This is Michael McIntyre on the Next Level Podcast, your humble host. I am very excited today because, of course, I say that every week, don't I? Yes, I do. But this is true. We have a next leveler here, man. This guy is amazing. And many of you know him uh, through Jesus Culture, but this guy is, is truly an incredible young man. And I'm really excited to be able to interview him today. Banning Liebscher is the founding pastor of Jesus Culture, a ministry, worship, events, and leadership development. Along with his wife, CJ, he's also the lead pastor of Jesus Culture Sacramento, a church that's committed to seeing believers encounter God. I love that. uh, He wants them empowered as as world changers and engage their city as leaders. Banning is the author of four books, and his latest one being The Three Mile Walk, The Courage You Need to Live, Live the Life God Wants You to Live. I love that. Banning and CJ have three children, Eliana, Rhea, and Lake. Did I say those names correctly, Banning? Close enough, for sure. We, we have <laughs> okay. a doozy of names. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. So welcome, man. Welcome. And uh, ever since I came to Christ, ever since uh, hanging around the upper room and Freeland and Jerry, I've heard your name constantly and it's just always been amazing. And then uh, Stacey and I got to see you and CJ and uh, Danny and Sherry on that YouTube video, right? right uh, that YouTube yeah. broadcast, right when COVID hit and said, man, I've heard this guy, God keeps putting you in my life for a reason. So here we are. And uh, I'm so glad to have you on our podcast today, Banning. Thank you. Oh, it's so good to be with you. I'm serious. I love all the people you've mentioned, all of our mutual friends. So already we're best friends if these are our mutual <laughs> friends. And then uh, I would say this too. We have a podcast as well, and it cracks me up whenever you said I'm excited. I guess I'm excited every week. I feel the same <laughs> way. But that's only because that's only because I only have people I want to talk to on my podcast. Amen. So I'm always like, this is who I want to talk to right now. So it's really great to be on your podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Banning. I appreciate that. So I want to ask you, I know, you know, everybody that I, you know, I did my research on you and everybody says that you love raising up leaders. You have a heart uh, to see others, you know, released into their calling to be world changers. Where does that come from? And, and it, is that, and how does that operate in your, in your world? Yeah. You know, for me, that's a great question. I, I think that, um, my heart's for revival at the end of the day. And I know the revival, I don't know who all the audience is listening. Revival means different things for different people. But, but I have a real heart for revival, probably since I was 17, 18, 19 years old. Like the Lord just really gripped my heart to believe him for a move of God in our generation that awakens cities and nations. And I think as I was on that journey in my, in my early 20s and mid-20s, the Lord began to speak to me not just about raising up revivalists or revival, 
but that the key is going to be seeing leaders that are raised up in every mm -hmm. realm. And, and the concept of leaders being those that take responsibility for their life and take responsibility for the influence God's given them. So I don't know, man, just early on, I guess for me, the Lord just kind of made it part of my mandate that I'm to call people to, to, to take ownership to be a leader and then just a passion to grow in that area, that they would never stop uh, growing in their life as leaders and as believers. So I think for me, it's tied to revival in all honesty. I think we have to see believers who take responsibility for the influence God has given them if we're really going to see cities saved and transformed. So good. So do you, do you see the new, uh, the, the leaders coming up from the millennials, the Gensers, uh, do you see them really getting it? Do you see them seeing what, what the revival will look like? Does that, is that in their hearts? Yeah, you know, I think that there's actually been pretty good. I, I think that um, the church has really begun to embrace the supernatural. I mean, since yeah. I started even, the supernatural is much more normal in the body of Christ. People are, people are believing in the power of God. Um, people are believing in transformation. And I think now the younger generation is coming up. They're beginning to partner that. I think they do believe they can change the world. I mean, even as it, whatever, whatever anybody's opinions of protests and all this type of stuff that's going on, there is a belief from the younger generation that we can make a difference, that we can change things. That, and so if we can just point them in the right directions in taking that faith that we can actually see the world change mm. and that we can bring the kingdom into this thing, and, and it's the power of God that does that, I, I do think we're we're seeing that obviously the younger generation they need some time to mature and grow as we all do right 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 uh, yep. we all need that and I think for me honestly it's why the generations is so important I That's I am good. such a deep deep believer in the generations being connected and properly aligned so I think if we can see that happen then yes um, we're gonna I, I think that they're going to get it right. Good. I love that. And so, all right, so I want to switch gears a little bit because I want to talk about music. <laughs> and so I know that you, you guys have been been involved, and I know that you work with Sherry a lot, and that Danny and Sherry are big into your, in, in your uh, church. What role yeah. did, did music play in building Jesus culture? Well, I mean, music was the catalyst that got us known. Uh, you know, we had – um, I would say when it comes to moves of God, for the most part, every move of God in history is connected at some point with worship uh, or mm -hmm. music, um, whether it's the, the, the Methodists and the hymns, uh, you know, the Vineyard Movement. There's sure. just, you know, music's a big part of uh, kind of mobilizing uh, people, spreading the message, kind of being that catalytic thing. For us, it was similar. And, uh, you know, we were a youth group. Uh, this is, you can tend to look back on your story and romanticize it a little bit, but, but this was us. When I was youth pastoring, uh, we had, I had a youth group. We had a bunch of youth kids in it. Uh, you know, so one of the, our main worship leaders, Chris Kilala, who's 37, he was 12 when I started. He, <laughs> I, he, I kid you not, he was a middle school kid in our youth group, practically lived at my house in high school, was in my wedding when he was 14. Practically wow. lived in my house in high school. And, and, then, and then, so we were just doing worship as part of our conferences and all that stuff. And then we decided to record an album and didn't know what would happen with it. And then it got on YouTube and exploded. 
but but for sure worship was kind of the catalytic piece worship's the thing that opened the door interestingly enough a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have looked at us from a message standpoint at first mm-hmm. walked through the door because of the music sure so 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 worship was that kind of mobilizing gathering kind of connection catalytic thing in our in our in, in obviously in our movement still to this day people some people would only know the worship they wouldn't know there's a message attached to it uh but worship was it was, it was huge. huge. Still is. Still yeah. Is so huge. a friend, a friend of mine wanted me to ask you this question, and uh, he said that uh, he heard it said that Jesus culture only exists because you hired Jerry Nicewinder. Could you elaborate? <laughs> can, can you could yeah. you elaborate on that, Manny? Well, let me first say I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> if it's Jerry that asked that question. But listen, I know he's joking. I know he's joking, and God built Jesus culture. But Jerry, this is what I found that when the Lord puts something on your heart. Yeah. He brings the right, this is leadership 101, is, is that what God's put on your heart and what God's called you to build, you can't really do without other people. And that's the, right. you know, that's the crazy part of it. So for me, absolutely, man. I, I Jerry was kind of like the first official full-time hire of Jesus Culture. And I remember being stressed about it. I remember being in my office with Jerry <laughs> saying, Jerry, we want to hire you. You was going to be the first full-time employee of Jesus Culture. Um, and, 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 and I was kind of stressed about it and all that, but sure enough, man, when he came on board, things started taking off, uh, That's somebody awesome. that could really come and partner and help execute and build. And, and he's just a brilliant strategist. So yeah, yeah. it's an accurate yeah. statement, even though he's being sarcastic. <laughs> well, you know, Jerry was very influential at us over at Upper Room and getting our label started and, and kind of pointing, you know pointing us in the right direction because you know we didn't know where we were going i didn't know you know yeah. anything about it you know jerry's a master <laughs> at it so yeah, yeah well we've had we've had some we had, we've had some great laughs with that so all right let i want to i want to talk about this newest book you've got out the, the three mile walk uh and tell me about this book because i think i love the title of it and i love what you're trying to i believe i think i haven't read it yet which i will will read but share share your heart about this book and where you know how'd you develop this yeah, for sure. Well, my heart first and foremost is just come alongside people and encourage them. At mm. the end of the day, I just want to speak life and courage into people. And uh, and I think in 25 years of full-time ministry and, and then following the Lord longer than that, I, I think I've just realized that um, we are most alive, we are most fulfilled, we are most thriving when we are engaged in the call of God on our life. So, yeah. so what I would, to, to kind of demystify things, I think everybody is called by God. Every single person has a call from God. And they have a call to be someone. God's trying to shape you, mold you, form you into someone that looks like Jesus. And then he's called you to do something. You're called to partner with his plans and purposes in the earth. So, so we all have a call. And, and my call is not greater than your call. Your call is not great. We all are called. That's right. That's what, right. What separates people is not the call of God on their life. What separates them is the response. Mm. And so God gives you a call to be and to do, but it requires a response from you. You've got to engage it. You've got to get up and walk it out. And so Good. I think for me, my heart was just to come alongside people and say, hey, listen, you are most alive, most fulfilled, most thriving, most fruitful when you're actually engaged in the call of God. So my, my first heart is just, to, is just to awaken that thing inside of people that says, 
I mean, I'm praying for a divine dissatisfaction to hit people that they would just say, <laughs> I am not satisfied sitting on the sideline. I want to get up and I want to engage this. And so that's kind of, uh, you know, the first part of that thing. And it comes out of the story in first Samuel 14 with Jonathan, his armor bearer. And it's this incredible picture of this contrast between King Saul, who is content to sit under a pomegranate tree, looking mm-hmm. from a distance at the Philistines, and then Jonathan, who something stirs in his heart and just says, I'm not content, I'm going to get up and walk. And when he does, this is why it's called Three Mile Walk, because there's a three-mile valley he's got to walk. But got as it. he engages it, as he engages it, he finds quickly that there's things you need on this journey. Holiness, it takes a massive amount of courage, faith. Yep. So we just unpack that type of stuff. I want people to get up and start moving towards the call of God in their life. And then I want to tell them on the journey, here's what you're going to need. It takes a massive amount of courage. You know, you've got to understand delays and you've got to understand faith. And so that's kind of what we unpack, but just to come alongside people and encourage them. I love it. So it's the three mile walk that Jonathan took to walk down into the Philistines. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And and it's amazing because people go on that journey and they, they don't realize sometimes, wow, it was, it's harder than I thought. It required work, <laughs> you know, it required faith. Yeah. Like they're, they're like surprised by that. And so yeah. trying to put some context around what that journey looks like. So, so in that walk, in, walking in that, like what, what was really good, like David was anointed when he was 17 years old, right? Yeah. But he yeah, didn't, yeah. he did he didn't take over the king uh, until he was like 37, like 20 years later. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but he, but he was walking in as anointing, but it took a minute, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, so when, when people get this call on their life, as uh, Banning, which I think what, what you're saying is they get, when they, if they listen to that, if they get rudely interrupted in what they're not doing, they're dissatisfied. So they get calling on their life. Is that when they yes. get anointed in their, in their calling and they get into that river of life? Yeah. Well, David's a great example because I would say this, that there's a difference between anointing and authority. Mm. So, so lots of times what happens is, is, and this is the story of David. Samuel comes, anoints him, and gives him a word that he's going to be king. But what he, he, so he had an anointing and a word. What he didn't have was an authority, was authority. So anointing and vision. So you can have vision. Vision can mm-hmm. come quickly. You can have a vision and an anointing, and that can come quickly. And you can be excited about it. You can have passion about it. But what God's trying to do is he's trying to take you on a journey to develop authority. Because in order, in order, the reason why David couldn't step into being a king when he just had anointing and a word was because being a king and fulfilling his destiny also required an authority on his life. And so that's why he takes him into the cave with people. And that's why he puts him under a horrible leader. And that's why he puts him in the field. It's those type of things. And so a lot of people are confused by that journey. A lot of people are confused by why is this taking so long? And it's because God's trying to develop authority in your life so that you can step into what he said. So good. That's so, that's a good word. All right. So it, in that, it, in it, so get, I wanted to switch this over to the church as a whole. And I know, you know, okay. since this COVID deal banning, we've all experienced not being in the four walls of the church. Right. Yeah. And of course, yeah. of course the church is, you know, is all of us all the time. But uh, how, how do you see, 
with this has this has this had an awakening for the church do you think it's been a setback do you think it's been a revival inside maybe some of the the fivefold ministry that you know that danny tell uh, teaches us where do you see the church going from here as a whole and and doing what it's supposed to do yeah well no i don't think it's a setback i think that there's a lot of stuff that will come out of uh this quarantine time with but and and I'll I'll just give you my quick uh, kind of spiel on this. But they, I really think that the Lord, when we came into 2020, there were so many prophetic words over 2020, both in yes. our church and nationally, what God's going to do and awaken all that type of stuff. And then people were kind of thrown off. I'm like, no, this all. Listen, I don't think the Lord sent the virus. I, you know, I don't think the Lord sends the storm. I think He could teach you something in the middle of it. But but it's this thing that I really think God is stripping away some things. And he is really clarifying what matters. Mm. And, and I think I love he that. has to re, I think he has to reveal some things to us as a church about what we rely on. It's very interesting because we had, um, I, we have a school of leadership. And so uh, uh, we get hit with quarantine. We go online with them. And a couple of weeks into where we were shelter in place, I'm on Zoom with them. And I just said, hey, guys, tell me what the Lord's showing you. So different people were saying different things. And then one of these girls, one of the girls chimes up and she says, you know, I've just been hanging out in the Song of Solomon. And, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. And she said, but she <laughs> said this and man, it just hit me. She said the verse where it says that she came out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved. And man, when she said that verse, it just struck wow. me. And I realized that we're going to come out of this season with a greater dependence on Jesus. And in Good. this season, it's going to be exposed the things that we have leaned on that weren't Jesus. Come we've on. leaned on the economy. We've leaned on our own strength. We've leaned sports. on our own efforts. We've leaned mm -hmm. on sports. But, and then in the church, We've leaned on our programs. We've leaned on yeah. the, the ability to have a worship team and the atmosphere. And we're getting to a point that just says this, Jesus, you're the one that builds the church. You build the church. And these things that I thought were building the church, I thought my effort was building the church. I thought my good idea <laughs> was building the church. I thought the program and my preaching and now that's all been stripped away, and, and we're going to come out of the wilderness leaning on Jesus at a different level. And I think that that is going to produce some fruit, um, of, and that's going to be connected to the prophetic words that were over this year. So I think we're going to come out stronger. I think we're going to come out more mature. I think we're going to come out with greater clarity, and I think we're going to come out with a greater resolve for God to move, even in the midst of all that's happening in the nation right now, right. the unrest and the stirring that's happening in the nation. And I think there is legitimate cries, and I think that God's doing something, but we also see somewhat a, a vacuum of, of the church that just says, we need an outpouring of God. Our nation so needs God. He is the answer at the end of the day, and he is what makes unjust systems just. He is what makes unrighteousness righteous. He is the one, you, you know, and so just that cry in our heart, I think God's going to do something with. I love it. I love it. I think it's really good, Banning. I like the way you put that and, and that we're going to come out of this bigger and stronger. And, and I do believe there's been a huge shift where people are coming to God um, amongst this crisis. You know, they're, they're yes. really, they're yes. saying, okay. And, you know, I mean, 
whatever church they go to, right? I mean, we're in the charismatic community, but there's a lot of other, I mean, my wife and I, we went to an Anglican church uh, two weeks ago because it was the only one open, you know. But, <laughs> you gotta love that incense. Come on now. It was awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of incense. You know, it was all good. A lot of kneeling, but it was great. But, it, you know, they did, they preached the word, right? And so, you know, we all have to go in, you know, whatever tribe that we're in. But I just think, I do think there is a calling. I do, I agree. I think that there's going to be something even bigger and stronger coming in. And I think, you know, a lot of times I think God's letting us know, say, Hey, what are you, what's your real idol here? Is it money? Yeah. You know, gathering, is it, are you counting the numbers? You know, he told David yes. not to count, count his numbers, right? What no, David right. do? He, he counted his numbers, right? So we get, we get to that. And so I think it, I think it is, you know, cause you know, look, I mean, I like the NFL. I like watching baseball. I like all that, but, you know, truly, I really haven't missed it. You know, yeah. it's really, you know, it's, you know, now I ha now I did find myself watching NASCAR live for the first time. <laughs> it's, it's gotten that bad. Listen, yes, you're in, you're yes. in Don't you guys watch NASCAR in Texas? Yeah, but I'm just not. Yeah, but it's been a new experience for me, Banning. But, but yes, but what, what it has done, though, what, I, what it, the blessing is, is it lets us to refocus on what's really important. Like you said, it's all about Jesus, you know. All right. So I got, yeah. I've got, a, you, you know, you're in Sacramento, you're out in California, you know, it's all cool and it's all hip and you know, there, there's wealth out there, but there's also some poverty out there. You know, you look at San Francisco, yeah. the homeless crisis, you see these yeah. stuff that's going on. So how, how, as Christians, you know, cause I, you know, I'm a business guy and I've, I, I coach people and I talk to people about, you know, getting out of the poverty spirit, you know, cause it seems yeah. For what the the water that I swim in with the people that I coach, a lot of times you know they want to make some money, but they they feel guilty if they make too much money. All right, you know they get into this poverty mindset. What what happens in in as as a pastor, as a senior pastor, how do you deal with that poverty mindset in your Christian realm with dealing with your uh with your with your people? Yeah, well, I think one, I I I think that well, one, I don't think we should apologize about the blessing of God on our life. Um, but, but, but I, I definitely think I would say this, our pastor, Bill Johnson up in Reading, he's always said that, that, that any increase in your life is to better serve people. Yeah. So I, I think that if we could just position our lives, like we can't be afraid of increase if we've positioned our life to, to serve others. So I would say that increase hurts you when it's all about you. Mm. If, if you get an increase of finances, if you get an increase of favor, if you get an increase of influence, if you get an increase of authority, if, if the Lord increases in your life, but it's kind of about you, then, yeah. then I do think it's dangerous. But if you've positioned your life as a kingdom individual that says, I want to be the greatest among them, which means I've got to be the servant, mm. then when the Lord increases and i think serve your family as well you know what i'm saying so i i'm I, you know I, I i think you can serve your family by vacations and everything else sure but my sure. point is this is is that if i can position my life that all increase is so that i can better serve people you're safe you're you're sure. fine and you don't sure. you don't need to apologize about increase you don't need to apologize about it you don't need to be scared of it and, and you just keep your heart positioned that thing that how can I better serve people? How can I better uh, come alongside them and see their dreams happen and see that, what's on their heart? And if we just position our life like that, 
then yeah, come on, God, let's, let's get increased. Let's, and I'm praying for increase in the lives of people, you know, and, yeah. um, and, and then also just what we talked about, I remember talking to somebody because we've had a real, I have a real heart to raise up leaders in every area, but when it comes to sports and entertainment, which are kind of the same, um, the, the problem that I was seeing was these young guys were getting taken out by money and wealth, by money and fame. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're so young. You know, they're yeah. 19, 20, 21, 22, getting a bunch of money. So I remember talking to a friend of mine, and uh, he's retired now from the NBA. And I just said, listen, I know it's possible. And I know it's possible to be able to raise up people where, where money doesn't ruin them at a young age. But how do we do that? Mm. And he said this phrase. He said, you have to be willing to walk away from it all. If the Lord asks you, you have to be willing to walk away from it all. And so I, I think that if you can kind of position your life with those two things, right? Like we don't apologize Good. for increase. We're not afraid of increase, but right. we also have positioned our life that says, God, if you come and tell me to walk away from it all, I'll walk away from it all. Like I'm not telling you that he would tell you that. I'm saying that your heart is positioned to say, God, this stuff doesn't have me and, and you have me. So I'll walk Good. away from it all if that's what you're asking me to do. And also, I want to serve people well. I think if you yeah. can keep your life positioned there, then, man, let's pray for increase <laughs> in, yeah. in every area. Um, and I think that God can then use you to be a blessing to cities and nations and churches and people. And that we don't have to just, uh, you know, that, that, that poverty doesn't equate holiness. And the same way that wealth doesn't equate, equate holiness. So um, true. We can go through life there. That's good, Vanny. I, you know, and you know, Lance Wall now, he always says, you know, there's nothing more sad than a broke philanthropist, right? And so, you know, <laughs> you, know you know, and some of us are resourced more than others, right? I mean, David Green, yeah. uh, Hobby Lobby guy, you know, he yeah. gave $500 million to the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., you know, and, uh, he, and he glorifies God in it. He gives 70% of his income away. You know, Amazing. and so I, I think we need more billionaires and millionaires in the kingdom to, that that I do do want to glorify God with their resources, yes. with their income. I agree. You know, yeah, yeah that's no, that's really good. So, um, all right. So I, I want to uh, where where are you at right now in the Bible? What's interesting you right now besides everything? I know you're an everything kind of guy, but what are you diving into right now? Our listeners would love to know. Yeah. Do you know what I'm actually doing right now? Actually, in scripture, so. You know, I, I, I try to read the Bible through every year, and, and I'm a, kind of a guy that's on a plan with that and doing all that type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but you know what I recently did? I actually started switching over for my, for my quiet time with oh, – quiet time, such an old school term – for my secret place time with the <laughs> Lord. Um, right. I've actually been reading the message. I've oh, actually wow. just – I just said I just want to read the message right now. So it's, it's, for me, it's a little bit less about – and I, I just said I want to approach the Bible again you know, I've read the New King James too. I don't know however many times, you know, over the last 25 years or longer than that, I guess. But, but so I've, I've actually just been reading the message every day and just cool. really reading the Bible in a little bit of a different uh, light at a different angle with different wording. And it's just been really interesting, uh, uh, just kind of in the word in, in, in that translation. So I, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, um, totally. I'm trying to keep this thing relational, not just, and for me as a pastor, I have to, I have to really discipline myself, not just to be reading for a sermon 
or not just to read something and go, oh, I'm going to preach on that, but read something that really impacts my own life. And mm. so it's been really, re- it's been refreshing just to be reading that in that capacity. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I've started the Amplified Bible, which I really enjoy, yeah. that, you know, and uh, it just, yeah, it similar. really, it speaks to me in a different way. You know, yeah. uh, you know, the King James Bible is a little bit different for me to get into. So <laughs> my wife knew, yeah. knew my weakness. So she gave me the Amplified Bible, which is really kind of cool. So, That's amazing. Uh, yeah. So going forward, man, I mean, you guys are, you know, you're, you know, you got, you know, you're still a young guy. You got a, you got a lot going on. You get, and uh, what do you see the next five years for your, for your community? What do you look for? What, what gets you excited? Uh, I know you've got this book, the three mile walk, which by the way, yeah. how do people get to the, how do people order your book? Where do they find it? Yeah, you can find it. You can find it on our website, juiceculture.com, or you can find it at Amazon or anywhere, Barnes and Noble, wherever they're selling books. They'll, they'll have awesome. It there. Awesome. Awesome. So what, what does the next years. five years look like for me? Yeah. I know I that's a big question. No, I, I want to see a church movement. We started out as a youth movement that was known for its worship, and we mobilized youth and young adults all over the world. I, I, I want to strengthen the local church. I want to see churches that are healthy and thriving. I want to see believers fully engaged. And so for me, this is connected to the local church. I'm a diehard local church guy. And uh, so, so we're really positioning ourselves right now. To, to ask the question, how can we strengthen, equip, and serve churches? How can we come alongside pastors, and, and, and how can we see them really dreaming for their city to be in revival and for, for leaders to be raised up? You know, we talk about leaders. So, so one of the reasons why I'm such a diehard believer in the local church is I believe the local church should be a leadership-making machine. Um, I, I believe that, that, that they should be developing leaders and sending them into their city. I remember a guy telling me, it just wrecked me. Uh, I think it was a church. It was like the largest church in the world, I think, is no longer in Korea. It's in Africa. But somewhere in Africa, I forget exactly where. But they, um, but, but somebody I know was over there. And they've got, um, they have all these million, they have their, pre- the president of the nation goes to their church. And they asked him, they said, how did you get the president of the nation to go to your church? And they're like, <laughs> what do you mean? That, this kid, this was just a kid in the slums when he first started coming to our church. Wow. And then they just started pouring into him, developing and raising him up, and now he's president. They have all these millionaires in their church. And he's like, how do you get all these millionaires? They're like, they didn't understand. They're like, what do you mean? Like, these are just people in our church. Yeah. They've now grown. And, man, I love that. Yeah. That we're not just trying to attract, you know, millionaires to our church. We're saying right. we're going to develop. We're going to pour into we're going to support and get behind growing people at that level. And I really believe that the church's job is to build people. This is our strategy. People want to know what our strategy is to reach a city. I want to build people and see what comes out of them. We're going to build people and we're going to see what comes out of them. I don't want to build programs. I don't want to build, (laughs) I I want to build people and I want to see what comes out of their lives. And so I think we have a real passion. The next five years and beyond for us is just saying, how do we not only plant churches, but how do we come alongside and strengthen churches to raise up leaders, to believe God for revival, to do the things necessary? So good, man. So I love your passion for leaders. Leaders, I do. I think that's so important. And you know, every you know, I get I, I'm blessed every now and then. Somebody comes into my life, some young man, you know, 
25, 30 years old that, that, need, that hasn't been fathered real well. And I get to yeah. pour into that individual, you know, and watch them light up and watch them want to be, uh, want to be mentored, want to be coached. It's just, as you know, yes. it, it just, it, yes. it, it, it gives, it brings life for me. And obviously it brings life for you, Banning. So let's say you spot somebody that's got something, they got the it factor, they're a leader. They're going to, you can see that this, this guy, this, this, this kid's going to do something. You know, he might be 20, 22, 23 years old. What is their biggest challenge to overcome as that, to try to come up and father them? What do you consider their biggest challenge? Well, I think you got to get, I think you have to uh, help them be teachable. Well, this is what I would say. Again, that's a, it's a big, broad question, but it is. But if you can keep a hunger to grow, you'll be fine. But you've got to yeah. humble yourself and be teachable. And there's, oh, this, there's this American myth somewhere that, that is impressed by, by self-made people, which is a mm. myth. It doesn't even exist. Right. Self-made people. But, but we have this kind of independent thing that says, I should be able to do it on my own. Strength mm. looks like I don't need anybody else. And, and if I need somebody else, it's a weakness. And, 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 and we applaud, like, as if anybody, mil- as if anybody made a million dollars with the help of nobody else. You know, like <laughs> right, all by right. themselves. We're like, oh, well right. done. You know, you didn't need one other person. So I think <laughs> right. as you come alongside yeah. to, to pour into people, you're going to have to help them navigate that thing where they have a hunger to really learn from, submit to, come under the covering of, welcome people into their life. And yeah. I think the reason why it's so important is it's humility. It just it totally. requires humility to do that. But I would say that there's such an independent thing in our nation that yeah. it almost feels weird for a lot of people to actually need somebody else. It's like a sign of weakness. Or to be honest with you, a lot of these young entrepreneurs, a lot of these young kind of like uh, these leaders that have so much potential, um, they they kind of don't want input. It's mm. not always true. A lot of them do. Right. But I'm right. saying they kind of have their own idea of what to do. So you've got yeah. to get to that place where they'll humble themselves. That's right. And actually desire input and desire. And I see it. I'm not this across the board. I think that right. we're seeing that thing, but some of it's a young, a young thing. Some of it's an yeah. American thing. Yeah. You've got to kind of break through some of that. Yeah. What, what, it, that's so good. It, it, a lot of times what I find is it's a, uh, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a lack of security. They're insecure. And so yes. sometimes, sometimes they 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 fall back on a sense of security. And so I tell them right up front, I said, listen, the number one thing that so you're going to have to be, if you want me to pour into your life is you got to be coachable. Right. Yeah. And I said, and I, I always use my deal with, uh, uh, with, with Tom Brady. I said, do you think Tom Brady has a coach? I mean, this guy, yeah. you know, six Super Bowls, right. He's got, you know, makes yeah. $45 million a year. And after every set of downs, he gets on the sideline, puts on the headphones and he gets coached. Exactly. Right. He, you know, yeah, well, listen, said, that's, you know, no, I'm sorry, cut you off. No, I was just saying no, that's, that's, that's what I use as an analogy with them. So they, you know, cause every, all these young guys look up to Tom Brady, but you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's what you're saying. It's that humility. You've got to humble yourself. You have to die to yeah. yourself to get taught by a master. Well, listen, people ask me all the time. They, they say, Hey, what, what, what's the quality you're looking for in people you hire hands down teachability. Teachability. Yeah. I don't care if you make messes. I don't care if you don't know anything. <laughs> That's right. But That's if right. you're teachable, 
if you actually, and, and I will tell you this, I love to pour into people that are teachable because Come both on. you and I have sat in rooms where somebody comes in, wants to connect with us. We spend an hour with them, but really they kind of go do their own thing. And I'm like, yeah. you don't need, like, don't come in here. <laughs> and this is what I've told people. I said, what I, Danny, you mentioned Danny. Here's what I believed about Danny. Because in, in, in all honesty, if you're going to get poured into, it's because you're going to be interrupting and taking somebody's time They're in their life. But here's mm -hmm. what I believe. I believe I am the greatest soil you could invest in. I believe, and I mean this, I believe I love that whatever you invest in my life, I am the best return on investment you could do. But I, I believe it. that because I'm going to go do something with what you gave me. So, so for me, it's not draining at all to pour into a young leader who then goes and takes what I poured into them and actually does something with it. What's draining is pouring into somebody and then they just go do their own thing anyways and do nothing with what you gave them. Those Amen. are the people I'm not willing to invest in. So if you want somebody to invest in you, this is the honest truth. Then, yeah. you know, if you get 15 minutes with them, if you get 30 minutes with them, if you get an hour with them, if you get a life with them, if you take what they've given you and you go multiply it, you go do something with it. Listen, we're smart people. I want to invest in the best return I can get. So you go do something with what I gave you, then, then listen, I'll meet with you as much as you want, you know, because that's, well, that's not true, but you know what I mean? That's, a, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> right. But, no, no, but I you get, get it, the no, point. I, like that's yes. life giving. That's yes. life yes. giving. Well, and, and listen, listeners, those that are listening to this, those who are, that are Gen Zers or millennials that want to be coached by a master, this is platinum nuggets you're hearing from Banning right now. Be coachable, humble yourself and listen and do take the advice, right? Act on the advice. Yeah. You know, how many, yeah. you know, it, it, what you're saying is so true. You know, we both coach people or mentor people or fathered people and they did, they don't do anything. Two weeks later, you come back and they say, well, it didn't work out the way I didn't want to do it that way because, right. And it's like, it's like, you're looking at them like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I gave you my best stuff. You know, the Holy yeah. Spirit and me were teaming up here with you, bro. And you did, and you didn't do that, you know? And so yeah. that's, Listen, it's and, what you and said you don't is so need good. Me. You right. don't need me That's to right. do your own thing. You don't That's need right. if you're going to do your own thing. You don't need me. Amen. <laughs> like it's you, so you got it on your own. Go for that's it. You know. Right. So yeah, everybody that's listening, man, if you want somebody pour into you, and and I really will do this. Uh, seriously, Danny, Danny will pour into my life, and even when I disagree with him, even when I'm like, I just think <laughs> to myself, I'm in this room right now because I'm looking for your input. Why would I be in this room if I didn't want to do your input, even if I disagree with it? I'm not yep. here to kind of weigh my options. I'm not here to sit with you to go, I'm going to think about whatever you said. I'm here <laughs> because your input, and can I tell you this real quick? I'll, I'll say this as well with young leaders, is, is that this would be my advice. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. So many times people say, so, so, and the analogy I would use is that grace, um, do you know the, uh, you know, like a lazy river in like yes. a water park and it's just got yes. that, that water that's going, well, I went with my son one time and we're just cruising along, but then he wants to turn and go against the current. And so the, <laughs> the picture, the picture is pride is when you're walking against the current, there's resistance. 
But if you'll humble yourself, what, what was resisting you is now propelling you. So that's the picture. So I say that to say this, is, is, that, is, is that many times with leaders, I'm like, you don't even need advice. You need grace. So many times, all the, you just need grace flowing in your life. So many times, I'll sit with like a Danny, and he'll give me advice. And I may not even agree with it. I mean, it's not anti-biblical or anything, you know, but I may not right, agree with right. it. But what I know in that point is, do you know what I need more than advice? I need grace. Mm-hmm. And so if I will humble myself, if I will humble myself and listen and apply his input, even if his input's wrong, the grace that is released in my life, I needed more. And so, so I would just encourage you, man, you need grace in your life and you get grace by humbling yourself. But trust me on this, living life with grace and living life without grace, you want grace. <laughs> yes. So good. It's so good. And, and you're so right. And I, it, when you come in into that, even if you don't agree with it, just surrender to it. Right. And, yeah. you know, it's like it's like going against the, the, you know, the current and the river. It's a, it takes a lot of resist. I tell people what you resist will persist, you know. Yeah. And so what, no, you know, just, right. just surrender. Right. And take it to the feet of Jesus and surrender. You know, Freeland always said in a marriage, you know, the first one to the cross wins, right? And so, you know, you just have to surrender to that sometimes and just give into it and say, okay, let me just listen. Let me humble myself in front of this. So, man, that's so yeah. good, Banning. And uh, I, yeah. love, I love your passion for this. I love your passion for leaders and bringing up leaders. And uh, that's, you know, what we try to do and what we do at Next Level and bring up, uh, bring up other people up into their place where they, they need to be kind of coaching them. You know, a lot of people... They, they don't like to be coached because you have to point out blind spots sometimes. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. and sometimes, sometimes it's not so much fun. Well, Banning, I just want you to know, man, it's been a pleasure to interview you and have you on the Next Level Podcast. You are, you are an amazing dude. You really are. I love the way your passion is. I love the way you and your family are all in and uh, hanging out with Danny and Sherry. Anybody that hangs out with Danny and Sherry are all right by me. <laughs> Uh, those, a, those, those guys a good, are great. A good test. Yeah, right. it really is. It truly is. Well, Banning, thank you so much for spending time with us at the Next Level Podcast, man. I I bless you and your new book. I I, I pray that it, you, you. I know you'll be on the bestseller list and somebody's list somewhere. <laughs> Maybe in Kenya, right? Uh, my, mom, my mom. My mom. My mom's yeah, bestseller list. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So no, but hey, listen, listeners, go check it out. It's the Three Mile Walk. And uh, uh, Banning is, is he's got four books out there and this you'll you'll be you'll be blessed by it. I, I know. And so thanks for taking time out for us. Uh, Banning, I appreciate it, man. You're an awesome dude. Uh, thanks so much. Mike. sure appreciate you having me on. And and uh, it's always fun to talk to somebody else who's passionate about the same thing. So thanks for having me on. You got it, brother. Have a great week, man. Hey, friends, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other platforms where great podcasts are found. Thank you. Thank you for checking out the Next Level Podcast. For more information or additional resources, please visit themichaelmcintyre.com.